Well, good morning. Just good afternoon. It's just turned 12 on mine. <laughs> How are you all this morning? Afternoon? Good. Whoa. So good to worship and uh, enjoy God together, isn't it? Um, you know, we, we, we love worship here as a community. We, we felt a while ago the Holy Spirit invite us to devote six hours of worship once a month to just worship him because he's worthy, because he's good and he deserves it for no other reason, right? Yeah, thank you. It's so true. And, um, you know, we, with, when we started those burning nights, there was no, um, nothing else really in the city and we just felt the priority of that from heaven. But as we've gone on, uh, we have the joy of actually Matthew, uh, who was leading worship this morning and his wife, Shepherd. Um, they, Matthew's the director of Burn 24-7 um, nationally, actually, but, you know, has a real passion for worship and putting on um, events. And so we decided, you know, there's no point in running two events that are almost competing together, but actually to join forces and to, and to be together. So with our burning nights, we're going to run them here on a regular basis. But the other times that we're not running them, we, I really want to encourage you to go to the Burn 24-7 event. Um, the thing about that is 12 hours, you can dip in and dip out. Um, because we're really, what we're looking for, what I believe the Lord is doing is raising a cry of worship across the city. So it's not just about one church or one individual or one group, but it's actually a gathering of people together that are united around the glory of Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and spending time in his presence for nothing else because then because he's good. And so I want to invite you, just encourage you, you know, Yes, we'll have a, one of our teams that are there leading uh, one of their sets, but don't go for that. Go for the glory of the Lord and because, of his, because he's good, right? You know that the glory of the Lord is all around us. The earth is filled with the glory of the Lord, the Bible says. Whether you know it or not, whether you experience the glory or not, the glory is all around us. Jesus is here with us today. He said, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. Did you know that Jesus is in our midst and the glory of the Lord is all around us? The glory of the Lord is shining here this morning, this afternoon. It's his presence, it's his goodness, it's his love, it's his beauty, it's his majesty that's here right amongst us right now. Whether we have eyes to see it or not, whether we can have experienced that glory this morning or not, whether we've been tuned into the reality of heaven, the, re the thing is we have been experiencing and encountering the glory of God. Because, you know, when there's this theme that runs through the Bible of the, of the glory of God. You know, when, man, when the Father created man, he, it says that on, he planted a garden, which he called Eden. There were four rivers, which we've looked at over the last few weeks, uh, where the rivers, uh, you know, there's specific meaning about that, but, you know, there's the flow of the river of God, the, the life and the joy and the energy of heaven. And he planted a garden, and that garden, and he put, it says he put Adam and he put Eve into that garden, and that garden was the intersection of heaven and earth. It was actually the place of, of his dwelling as well as the place of Adam's and Eve's dwelling. There was this, this, this place of, of an intersection where the glory of the Lord dwelt with man. And we get this theme all the way through the Bible. So you get 
the, the tabernacle, uh, the Moses' tabernacle where the glory of the Lord was intersecting heaven and, and, and earth. And then that, there's the David's ta- tabernacle, his tent where he would go and sit by grace, not under the law, not following the prescribed way the, of, of the law that Moses had laid out, but sitting before the ark of the covenant, before the glory of the Lord. And then there, that was then put it f- fixed into the temple but then ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the intersection as a man and as God. He's the intersection of heaven and earth. Everywhere Jesus went, there was earth, but there was heaven. Everywhere Jesus went, there was humanity and there was God together. And so Jesus, he was there, he was releasing the glory, he's releasing the love, he's releasing the fire, he's releasing the goodness of two people so they get healed and delivered and set free and they hear the good news and they come out of their pain and their sin and they get unlocked into the joy and the life and the grace of God in heaven. And so we've been, where are we? We've been put into Christ Jesus. Those of us that have believed in Christ, we've been put into Christ. Your address is now your home address and heaven. Right? You can smile about that. You're all looking like, smile. It's good news. That's the good news of the gospel. The good news isn't that you have to try hard. The good news is that the Father has already taken us in Christ and he's put us into Christ and he's now seated us in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus so that we sit at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. You have a heavenly address. You're a supernatural being having a human experience. You're a human being having a supernatural experience. And, and the glory of the Lord is all around you. Why? Because you're seated in the heavenly realms. And whether you see the glory of the Lord or not doesn't make a single bit of difference as to whether the glory of the Lord is all around you. Because it's an issue of faith. It's, it's, that's what the, the Bible says. The Bible says that we are that we are carrying the glory of God. Colossians chapter 1, it says that Christ is in us. Christ in us is the hope of glory. He's the one that's going to lead us to glory, ultimate glory of being in, in heaven and, on, and earth intersected now together. You know, Jesus, you know, Revelation, we see that, the, that there's a new heaven and a new earth and the heaven and the earth have become one. And that the dwelling place of God has become with man. And that there's no need for sun because God is there. So there's glory that's to come. But, but the, the Holy Spirit has taken the glory that's to come and he's brought it into the now. And he, because we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, we're in Christ Jesus. We experience the glory that's to come right now. So we're called to live in glory. That's why when we lay hands on the sick, what we're doing is we're pulling the power of heaven, that which is reserved for later, because we're all going to have glorified bodies and we're releasing it into a person and their body is getting transformed by the glory of God. There is glory all around us. You live in glory. When we're singing, all the angels cry out and they're singing, you know, there's that picture in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. We see into God, we, into heaven, and we see the worship that's going on in heaven. You're there. When you read it in Revelation 4 and 5, you're there by the Spirit, whether you know it or not, whether you tune it in. You know, if you're anything like me, you know, maybe you're just sort of sitting here this morning, you were in worship, and or maybe this is more like Ash, you know, she's having to listen to the guy next to her sing really loudly. 
and slightly off key and slightly bad BO. Body odor, smell, you know, whatever. Now, did we use that? I don't know if we used that. Anyway, you know, and so you're like, this doesn't feel like glory. I'm conscious of everything that's going on around me. I'm conscious of this thing and I'm conscious of that. And, and it just feels very normal and very natural. And man, you know, this, isn't, this didn't happen today, but sometimes you're like, oh, can we just stop because this is really hard? We're not conscious of the glory, but that doesn't mean to say that the glory isn't around us. Actually, we live in the glory. Jesus, uh, no, sorry, Paul says in, in Romans chapter 5, he says that we, it's, uh, that we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. You live, if I was to draw a circle around your life, or you could draw a circle around your life, you live in a place called grace, which is all of heaven's resources to you. And you live in that place by faith, and, it's the, and that place of grace is the hope of the glory of God. The hope of the glory. I want you to see that your life is not just the sum total of the experiences that you see around you. There's so much more. You are in Christ Jesus. You've been placed into Christ. And because you are in Christ Jesus, you now have the life and the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the life of heaven to help you live a powerful life, to help you live a Godward life, to help you live a life of purity and holiness, to help you live a life of relationship. You also have been filled and seated with the authority of Christ because we're seated in Christ. We have his authority. Authority is the right and the ability or the power to perform an action. It denotes freedom. It's the power to decide. You're not a victim to your circumstances. You have the authority of heaven on the inside of you that enables you to decide what your life and how you're going to respond and what your life looks like. Because you, ha you have the authority. Now that's within a legally defined whole. Authority always operates within that legally defined whole. That legally defined whole, whole, the concept that we live in is the will of God. And so every time we're in the will of the Lord, we have, we're in this, this place of uh, that defined or ordered whole and we stand in authority and we have the authority of heaven to decide. That's the reality of the, the life of the glory around us. And because we're also filled we're, and we're in Christ Jesus and we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, that therefore means that we are, have been clothed with power. Not only do we have the authority to say something or do something, we have the ability and the power to do it. Just tell yourself, I am clothed with power. Come on. That's good news. You're not powerless. You're full of the Holy Spirit and we're called to live in the glory realm. Jesus said in John 17, 22, as he's praying to the Father before he goes to, to, to the cross and he's praying what we know as the great high priestly prayer. And he says this in, in John 17, 22, the glory you have given me, I have given them, speaking of us. The glory that the Father gave to the Son, Jesus, Jesus has made us sons and he's given us the very same glory that the Father has poured out upon Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, it says that Jesus has brought many sons to glory. Salvation is actually really a reestablishment of us in the glory of God. 
Because Romans chapter 3, it says, we have all sinned and fallen short of what? The glory. We've sinned and we've fallen short of the glory. Jesus' mission is to bring us back to glory. And we're sitting not just into the future, but in the here and now, we're living in the glory of God. As I said, Ephesians 2, 6, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, Paul says, you know, that as we behold the f- Jesus, we behold, God's given us the, the ability, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And we're being transformed into his likeness or into his image from one degree of glory to another. Your life should be an ever-increasing experience of glory. Well, a couple of you are happy about that, so that's good. That you're being called from glory to glory. You've been led into glory. Actually, what, what the Christian life is about is, is learning to live in that glory. Learning to have our minds transformed, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our minds so that we live in an, an increasing realm and expect, experience of the glory. Now, whether we experience the reality of that, whether we see angels or not, actually makes no difference. Jesus, the Bible says the angels are here already, right? And what, I've, what, I'm, what the Father's really been showing me over the last few weeks is he has a much higher opinion of me than I do. Because I'm aware of my shortcomings, I'm aware of my failings, I'm aware that I um, don't get everything right or don't get very much right. I'm aware of just, you know, my, my sense of not being very important. Now, I know Paul says in Romans chapter 12, you know, that we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. But I think actually in that what God is saying is, hey, listen, make sure you think highly enough of yourself. Because I think very highly of you. I think you're amazing. I think you're wonderful. I think you are beautiful. I've given my life for you. So come up higher, everybody. Come and live in the glory. Don't live in that miserable worm place. Live in the goodness of who I've made you to be. It's good news. Whether we see ourselves as insignificant, insignificant or not, the Father doesn't see us that way. He sees us with eyes of love and affection. He sees us in Christ Jesus. He sees us sitting with Christ in the heavenly realms. There's glory all around you. Just take a moment. Why don't we take a moment right now and just tune into the glory? Because what we're actually doing is, it's it's what we're learning is how, is we're learning more and more how do we experience the glory that's already here. It's the Holy Spirit. How do we experience the love? And so we're just going to take a moment. Let's just tune in to his presence. Uh, uh, And we do that just by worship. We turn our hearts and our affections to him. Lord, I turn to you and I, I love you. I worship you. I thank you that you've made me yours. I thank you that I live in a land called grace, which is motivated by your love. Thank you that I have a hope and expectation of the glory of God. Right here in the here and now, not just in the by and by. We welcome you. Just worship him for a little longer. Just experience that. As soon as you turn your affections, did you notice 
as soon as you turn your affections to him, he's there. Because he's here already. And we're learning to tune into the reality of his presence. All of this comes by the Spirit through our union with Christ Jesus. You don't have to strive for the glory of his presence. You already carry the glory if you're in Christ Jesus. And the cry of my heart over the last little while is, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see it and I want to experience it. I want you, I want the heaven, if the veil has been torn, which it has, the separation between God and man, and we're now in Christ and I'm living in heaven, I actually want my experience to catch up with the reality of who you've made me to be and where I am. And so I've been asking, Holy Spirit, would you open my eyes, open my ears to see your glory, to hear your glory. But the thing is, And that's a journey, but if I don't get to actually experience it, I still know I'm living in it, right? I still know I'm living with it, living in it. And so the issue for us is that it's it's living out this union with Christ, and the key thing for that is that faith is the connector. I'm doing some, uh, Ash and I, we bought a house uh, with the, you know, the girls. We, we moved house uh, about six weeks ago. And um, we've got a nice big property. We wanted a bit more space for the dogs, etc. cetera. And, um, and so, but what I've noticed on the one side of the, down the back is there's a bunch of bamboo growing. I don't know if you're familiar with bamboo, but um, it looks nice. In fact, when we arrived, there was a, there's a, still there actually, there's a bamboo teepee structure in the back garden, in the, in the yard. It's like a made of bamboo. There's nothing around it. It's just bamboo sticks tied together like a teepee. And, um, and so I'm like, oh, look, that's really cute. I didn't realize that those, those bamboo shoots had come from our property. And I don't know if you know anything about bamboo, but it's an utter nightmare. Right? So they planted bamboo and I was, so I'm like, you know, and it's now, it started on the hill and it's now probably like 30 feet away or by those stairs, there's a run of bamboo. Like every 10 feet, another pot of bamboo and then over here and over here and over here. And the thing about bamboo is that the only way to get rid of it is to actually, you know, Roundup doesn't really work. I tried it, it's rubbish. I think I want my money back. But you spray it, nothing happens. Why? Because there's a, under the ground, there's a network of connections that connect one piece of, piece of bamboo to another, and they're going everywhere. So you might have bamboo that way, you're going to have bamboo that way, you're going to have bamboo that way, you're going to have bamboo everywhere. So yesterday, I've got my gloves on, I've got my little saw, I've got my little trowel, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm trying to find not just the bamboo stalks, but then digging in and going, okay, I need to pull that weed out and pull that root out. I'm sawing the bamboo and finding it and pulling it out. This time I had gloves, last time I didn't, and apparently it's quite sharp. And so, but there's these connections that go all the way through, and the only way to get rid of bamboo is to actually pull up the root. And so I'm like dragging this root. I'm I'm hoping I'm not completely ruining my lawn, not my lawn, my garden, whatever, the slope. But the thing is, 
Because they're all connected. It's faith that's the connector for us. It's faith that says, okay, you're here, but the reality is this is who you are. And there's a faith connection that says this is who you are and this is who you are, and you're moving into the reality of that. That's a faith connection. That's the connector of faith, right? And so faith and belief, there's two words, you know, they actually come from the same root word, faith and belief, in the Greek. The, the, the faith and belief are important. In fact, so important that actually the New Testament says that enough, all that you need for salvation is belief. For God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave his only son that whosoever believes, it's not repents, it's not has a really good thought, it's not tries really hard, it's, it's not works up the courage to do something, it's whoever believes. Belief in and of itself is enough for salvation. Romans chapter 10, Paul says that if we confess with our mouths and we, uh, and we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, then we are saved. There's enough all the way through. You can see this theme going through the Bible. Belief, trust, faith, that's enough. Right? Faith is the connector for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. I want you to turn to Ephesians, no, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. It's the great chapter on faith. It's, the, it's the, the heroes of the faith where the writer to the Hebrews goes through and he lists out all these people, these heroes of the faith that have, have, have believed God, they've had a promise from God and they believed God for it and almost every single one of them died without seeing the full fulfillment of that promise. First thing I want to say to you is you may be believing for certain things I know, uh, you know, we've certain times we've been we've been praying for, for for people who've been sick and then they've died. Does that mean that our faith was shonky? No, it just means that they are if they carried on believing all the way through to the very moment they believed that they were going to get healing, but then they passed away into glory. Their names are in this book of light, in this book, in this chapter of the heroes of faith. Right. It's believing that's important. It's believing that counts. And so Paul, uh, so the writer to the Hebrews, I, I happen to think it's Paul, so I keep saying that, but I need to be theologically accurate, right? Yes. Something like that. Anyway, no. Now, verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance or the conviction of things hoped for, the conviction Sorry, now faith is the assurance or substance, I should say, of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So this word assurance, uh, actually in, in the Greek word, it, there's two ways of looking at it. There's a subjective way that says that, that it, it's assurance is something that I have an opinion about. It's something that I believe. It's something that, that is internal to me. It's something that's subject to me. But then there's an objective part that says, actually, no, this is substance. This is something that you can touch and you can feel. It's tangible. It's real. It's not just ethereal. And, and so they have difficulties knowing, is it one or is it the other? I think it's both. It's the sense of I believe and there's that, that internal reality that I believe but then there's this strength and this substance that comes that actually says, no, this is not just wishy-washy. You can take this to the bank. In fact, the very word for a, a substance or assurance, if you look at it in uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus is the, uh, the image of the invisible God 
uh, the exact representation of his nature. Make sure I got that right. Here's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. That word, his nature, is the very same word that they're now translating as substance or assurance. His nature. There's something physical and tangible about Jesus, right? It wasn't just an ethereal, he wasn't just an ethereal concept. No, he was the exact likeness in physical form of God's nature. The faith, faith is a substance that's very much tangible and real right? But it starts with this. It starts with the things hoped for. What comes first? Hope. Because hope says, I'm hoping for this. Faith says, this is the reality. Without hope, you actually don't need faith. If you've got no, nothing to hope for, there's no point in having faith because you've got nothing to set your sights on. Hope comes first. We need to have a hope, but faith then takes that hope and puts substance to it. Yes? It's the demonstration of what we're hoping for. So Ash and I, as I said, we bought a house. You know, my, our hope was we, we, need a, we would like a nice house. We want to have a nice house and you know, have some more land and have some space for the dogs and have everybody having a bedroom and we have some hope. You know, we wanted this and we wanted this and we wanted this. That's our hope, right? We hope for that now. But if we just left it at the realm of a hope, how many of you know that that hope would just remain as a hope? What do we have to do? Well, we have to go and talk to our realtor. Hey, can we sell our house? How much do you think it's going to sell? Go and talk to the mortgage consultant. Hey, can we get a mortgage? Look at our bank account. Have we got enough money in the bank account? We look at the, uh, the, the reality and the resources that we're in, and then we take that hope and we make a decision and we exercise faith. How do we exercise faith? Well, we write a check for a down payment or a deposit. Buying, trying to buy a house without, without writing a check is never going to happen. We're going to hope, going to hope, going to hope, and then someone else buys it. Oh, bother. Right? We missed it. But actually, what we, so we do, what we do is we write a check, and we say, this is the earnest money. This is the deposit. That check has substance to it. Now, in our case, then they wanted a letter it's, you know, from our mortgage consultant because we hadn't sold our house. Are they good for the money? Can they buy this house? There's something unseen about them. We need to know more fully about what's happening. So we, need to, we had to send a letter to, to what the, their realtor to say, yes, we can buy the, buy the house. Yes, we have the money. Yes, we can do it. And then we write the check and we send them off our earnest money. And then we process and we wait, right? That is the substance. Faith stepping in. I've got our hope. We have a hope for a house. Now I'm stepping in and faith is making me, taking steps to actually purchase the house. Yes? That, so what's that like in the, in the glory realm, in, in the realm of the kingdom? Well, so we know that we have all of this resources. Ephesians 1 chapter uh, verse 3 says that... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, where? In the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You have every spiritual blessing. You have all of your ducks in a row. You have all of the things that you need. Just like I had to check with the mortgage consultant, I've got all the things that I need. Now, the question is, am I going to live in that hope, or am I going to cash checks on that? In faith. Yes? So it's the substance it's the substance. It's, it's, it's something that's real and it's tangible. It, it connects us to 
what we hope for. It's not wishy-washy. There's something real. And actually, faith is from God. It's not our own faith, Ephesians 2 says, but it's from God that no man would, should boast. We receive faith from God. We live in the faith of heaven. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says that you have received the same faith as the apostles. Faith is the hope, is what we're hoping for. So then, he's, then it goes on to say, so it's the conviction of things not seen. So the thing we need to understand about a faith is it doesn't start in the natural realm. It starts in the unseen realm, right? It's not, oh, I'm going to see it with my eyes and then I'm going to believe it. No, faith is the opposite way around. Faith sees something in the spirit and then says, okay, it's the unseen realm, but I am going to be, I am convinced of it. There's evidence, there's, there's, there's deposit, there's a demonstration, there's proof that there's, that because it's based on the word of God. I don't see it naturally with my natural eyes, but I see it in the spirit and I'm convi convinced that what is not seen is now mine. That's why when we get to heaven, there's no need for faith. Because by the time we get to heaven, our eyes see God and, and he, we have everything that we need. So there's no need for faith. There's just love. No hope and no faith in heaven because we don't need it. So faith is the conviction of the things not seen. Okay, so what does that mean? So let's take this. Uh, I, I can't find my phone today. I think I probably left it in the car. So, you know, we've got this... Imagine this, you know, some phones feel like they're this big anyway, right? Either that or when you went back to the 80s, it was like the brick phone. I remember, you know, in the old days where you wanted to get the smaller the phone, the better, but now it's bigger. I mean, anyway, so somebody rings me on this. Let's say it's a phone. They can actually ring me on this. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to answer it. There's an unseen dimension to this. Is that right? The unseen dimension is somewhere out in there, there's multiple waves of data and packets of things that are coming through the, I don't understand it, I suck at physics, I don't know how it works, but somehow they're coming through and they're coming to my phone and if Ash is calling me, it's her voice on the other end and I don't know how it happens. It's an unseen realm that I don't understand, but just because I don't understand it doesn't mean to say it's not real, right? I pick it up, I answer the phone, or if I see someone that I don't want, I just hit the voicemail, but whatever, you know? So I, I, there, but there's an unseen dimension to the reality of using a phone. That's faith. That's, that's like faith. It's the conviction of things not seen. You don't pick up the phone and think, I don't know if this is going to work. Well, sometimes if you've got AT&T in the middle of nowhere, that might happen, right? But, you know, you don't pick up, if you're in a good signal area, you don't pick up the phone thinking, I wonder if this is going to happen. What's going to happen? Is it going to, hello? No, you just answer the phone. Why? Because you have confidence in the unseen realm that you have no idea how it works. You just know it works. That's faith. Substance. Faith is substance. So, and it's, as I said, it comes from Jesus. Every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ, but it, we access it by faith. So let's just talk quickly about the nature of faith. Firstly, faith needs to be exercised. We receive faith, we have faith, but if we don't use it, we don't step into the reality of who God's called us to be. And so there's a parable if you, a couple of times in the Gospels where there's the parable of the talents, where somebody, you know, the, 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 the master gives their servant 10 talents or 
five talents and one talent, and he goes away and he expects them to do something with it. He, they, you know, when he comes back, the first guy said, yeah, yeah, I had ten and there's ten more and there's five and there's five more. And the last guy says, I was fearful and I didn't do anything and I buried it in the ground and he was upset with him. Right? Faith needs to be exercised. If I have a Ferrari, somebody gives me, gives me a Ferrari, yeah, you can do that t- today, it would be fine, thank you. If someone was to give me a Ferrari but, uh, and I filled it up with gas and then I pushed it everywhere, you'd probably think there was something wrong with me. Because I have something, but I'm trying to make the effort happen. I'm, I'm trying to do something. But faith, the exercising of faith is to actually get in the car, turn the accelerate, turn the ignition on and hit the gas pedal. Right? So faith needs to be exercised. Secondly, faith hears. So um, in Romans chapter 10, faith, it says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. How do, you want to, how do you increase your faith? Well, you meditate on and you hear and you contemplate and you reflect on the power and the glory and the goodness of God. That's why it's so important that we understand and we read and we meditate on the word of God because it teaches us who God is really like and we encounter the true word of God, Jesus Christ himself. And, and in, in encountering him, he says, you're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so we're having this this moment where we're hearing the truth and it's transforming us and it's causing us to step into a new reality. It's not that it's a it's not that it's creating a new reality. The new reality is already created. It's just helping us to step into that reality. Make sense? And so and and so you know there's a story in, in Mark chapter 5 and verse 35 and 36 with a, a, a ruler of a synagogue called Jairus or Jairus however you pronounce that. And, and the, the basic story is that he, his daughter is sick and he comes to Jesus and they're going back and there's a woman that's there that has uh, an issue of blood. And so Jesus, she touches Jesus, gets healed, there's a melee, Jesus takes some time in working it out. And by the time she's finished, the, some people from the, the synagogue ruler's house come and say, hey listen, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter's dead. Worst possible news. Now it says this, he says, Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. Now that word, that word Jesus, when it says Jesus overhears, overheard, the word for overhear can mean this, pay no attention to it, ignore it, refuse to listen to it, discount the truth of it. So what Jesus is saying is, hey Jairus, don't look at your circumstances, don't look at the reality of your life, don't look at what's happening, don't listen to them, they're telling you this thing, but just have faith, just believe, because I'm here. And I'm the God of the impossible. So faith hears, hears Jesus' word. We need to hear that word, both the 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 written word that's then and, and the, is then quickened by the Spirit to us, but then also just the, the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, this is what you need to do. And we need to, you know, the, the, the joy, the, the invitation, if you like, is that we don't listen to the reports. We don't look at our bank accounts. We don't look at the reality of our situations. We don't look at our strength. We don't look at the externals of what's going on. Faith says, no, we're not looking at those things. I'm, I'm going to ignore it. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm not speaking that as truth. I'm speaking this truth. With God, all things are possible. And Jesus Christ is my everything and my all in all. 
that everything that I need is found in him. So don't listen to the doctor's report. You know, often when we're praying for, for people, one of the things that we pray for is that we would undo and we would break off the report of the doctor if they've been given a diagnosis. Because the diagnosis speaks death, but the power in our faith is there's life to speak over them. Discount the report of man and put our faith in the God of the impossible. So faith hears. The second thing is faith sees. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 1, he prays this. He says, Lord, I'm, I'm, he's saying to the Ephesians, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would see. What does he want them to see? He wants them to see hope, the hope. He wants them to see their inheritance, and he wants them to see the power of God. My prayer for all of us and, and my prayer for myself is, Lord, open my eyes that I might see the reality of, of what you're doing all around me. That I lift up my eyes to the hills. That I don't see around what's going on, but I fix my eyes on what you're doing, Holy Spirit. You know, here's the thing. If you see it, you can have it. Now, the thing is, what we're talking about is we're talking about by the Spirit. Because remember, faith is in the unseen realm. Faith starts in the Spirit, not in the head. It's not a thing of knowledge. It's a thing of revelation of the heart. So faith sees. Thirdly, faith speaks. Now, we know that the power, and life of, of, the power of life and death is in the tongue. If we believe the truth, we will speak it. Faith starts to speak out and declare what the truth of the reality is. The faith experience is a real experience. It begins in the unseen and the unexperienced. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13, he says, I believed it, therefore I spoke it. And there's such great power in the confession, the spoken word that says, okay, this might be my circumstances, but this is the reality of who God is. And so for me, as I'm looking to, to have heavenly encounter, I'm not walking around going, I'm never going to get it. I'm never going to get it. Um, no, it's mine. The, whole, the Bible says that's possible for me. The Bible says I'm now living in heaven. Right, my faith is I'm declaring, no, that is for me. If I'm, if I'm needing some extra finances or maybe I'm having a, some relational difficulty, maybe I need some wisdom and I don't know what to do, faith says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Faith says he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Faith says that he, I have everything that I need for life and godliness and that includes wisdom and revelation to help me with my relationships. But we're standing on the word of God and we're speaking and we're declaring the word of God. Faith Fourthly, is thankful. We've often said, but, but we'll say it again, that thankfulness is the language of faith. Because we stand there, you know, a few years ago, Duncan and my brother and I, we drove to, um, from Belgium down through to uh, Niger and West Africa. We had about nine border crossings to go through. And, uh, and at moments as we were leaving, we were getting you know, pretty terrified. We were just reminiscing the other day about how we were actually both terrified but didn't try and let each other on, you know. But we were leaking everywhere, our fear. But, you know, the very first border, you're in fear and trepidation. You know, you know that God's called you to this, but there's always that risk. By the time you go through nine borders and you get to the end, and, and that was actually the one that should have been the hardest because that's where we were importing the vehicle. We've been through fires, we've been through riots, we've been through flood, we've been through being chased by Al-Qaeda, and we've got, we've got through it all. 
And by the time we get to the end, because we're, you know, we're now understanding and having a confident expectation in God's goodness, and we're enjoying his presence, and we're thankful for what he's done, and we're remembering all the things that God's done for us over the last 18 days of that trip, when we get to the very final one, it was a piece of cake, no fear, no worry, no stress. Why? Because faith's building because we're being thankful and faith's building because we're reminding ourselves of what God has done for us in the past seasons that actually become a springboard to experience his goodness today, right? So faith is thankful. Faith has action. There's a very close link in the Bible between faith and obedience. So faith has action. Again, thinking about writing that check. You know, when we were flying to Australia two years ago to go visit family, I had realized the day before um, that Sarah, our youngest passport, had expired. Not good. You can't fly on the passport. But we go anyway. We're talking to the, the Delta and, and Australian embassy, and they said, well, it might work. So we, we're just going. We're stepping out. We're saying, you know, we've got a choice in that moment. Do we go to the airport and risk it? Or do we stay at home and saying, oh, Murray, you're an idiot. What the heck did you do? Why did you do that? Fortunately, we, because we'd paid lots of money <laughs> primarily, but we had this sense of faith. No, God is good. He's going to help us. And we get to the airport, and the lady that's there, we're flying to Sydney. The lady that's there, his name badge is Sydney. Lord, show me a sign. <laughs> but faith has action. It requires stepping out. And then uh, faith persists and endures. As I said before, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a litany of amazing, awesome heroes of the faith that didn't see the fullness of their promise. And they went to the grave believing that what God said was true, even though they didn't see the reality of it. And they're commended as heroes. Psalm 27 verse 14, it says this, wait for the Lord. That word to wait actually means to bind or to twist. Bind yourself, twist yourself, wrap yourself around the Lord. Faith is able to wait because we're connected to and we're bound with the Lord. And then finally, faith receives. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus says, If when you pray, believe that you've received it and it's yours. Faith receives. There's a, there's a dimension that says, okay, I'm believing you, and this is where the substance comes in, that I'm actually expecting to receive it. That is what I have received. That's the substance. And so we're called to live in this place of glory and goodness. We're called to live in this place of heaven intersecting earth. Your life is meant to be an intersection of heaven and earth. Your life and my life is meant to be an encounter where people who don't know Christ get, in, get to encounter the love and the power and the goodness of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus and the grace, of the joy and the love of the Father. And what's, the, what's the connector? The connector is faith. Am I going to believe it or not? Am I going to step out? When I lay hands on for the sick, the Bible says they're going to get well. Am I going to see it? Faith is the connector, and it's a gift from the Lord. I want to invite you to stand. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. Just take a moment. Let's just take a moment just to turn our affection again to him. We love you and we honor you. We thank you that you are the energy of heaven to bring us into the fullness of who Christ is, is for us. I thank you that there's nothing more that Jesus can do for us because you've done it all.
Lord, help us to step into the reality of this. In fact, why don't, why don't you just pray this with me, if you would. Holy Spirit, I love you. Thank you for putting me into Christ. Thank you that my home is heaven. Thank you right now that my spirit is with you in heaven. And I thank you for faith that you're giving to me. I ask that you would increase the experience of that faith. Lord, that you would give me power to stand on your word and to believe the truth. That you would give me grace to overcome this disappointment of every place where I haven't seen you move and to stand firm on your word. Lord, we, I confess every bit of doubt, every bit of unbelief, everywhere where I have believed something other than your word. And I ask that you would forgive me, cleanse me from that unrighteousness, and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Let's receive the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of faith releasing into your heart right now. I'm conscious that there may be some people here that have come because it's Mother's Day and you wanted to support your mom or whatever and you don't actually know Jesus as your Savior. And I want to give you an opportunity to believe, to step into that place of faith. So if that's you, I want you just to take a moment, admit that in your heart and then pray this with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I realize, Lord, that I've been trying to live my own life in my own strength, my own good works, my own ability, the things that I've done well. But I know, Lord, now this is not enough. But I know, Jesus, that you have done everything for me. So I confess, Jesus, that I need you. I confess that you are Lord. And I thank you for your grace that empowers me. I ask that you'd forgive me for every way that I've tried to live on my own strength. And I step into the reality of heaven this morning. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Fill us. Lord, all across the room, fill us. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with hope. Fill us with the power of heaven. That we would be a people of faith. A people that believe you despite the circumstances. That believe you despite the external evidences, but that stand upon your word. I feel like for some of us that maybe there's been some disappointment where we've actually we've been praying and we've been believing and, it, and we just haven't seen the breakthrough. First thing I want to say is, God is good. God is good. And I want to just charge you, whether you see the outcome of that faith or not, to continue to believe because your name will be written in the hall of faith. 
but we're believing for the more of heaven to be manifested in your life today. And if that's you and you feel like you have been just weighed down, loss of joy, loss of hope, loss of faith by your circumstances, I want to give you, we want to stand with you, we want to lend you our faith, we want to come alongside you and just pray with you and bless you and believe God with you. Believe God for breakthrough. Believe God for His power and His life. Believe that the truth of His Word will fulfill, be fulfilled in you. And so if that's you, we're going to invite ministry team. In fact, if you're on ministry team at all, in any way, shape, or form on any, any Sunday, if you're part of the ministry team, I want to invite you to come forward and just stand with people. And if you feel like you just need another... You, Someone to stand with you and to hold up your arms and to pray a blessing over you and to believe God for you and, and to believe God with you. Then I want to invite you up. If you've got physical need in your body, you need healing or you need breakthrough, you, we would love to pray for you for that. Lord, if you, if you have any, any need whatsoever, we would love to pray for you because we believe in the power of heaven to fulfill your every need. And I want to invite you to come up right now and... We would love to pray with you. Just come forward if, you, if that's you. That the life and the joy of heaven would fill you. And that in hope against all hope, you would go on believing. It says of Sarah in Romans chapter 4, who was believing for God to give her a child, even though she was almost 100, that it said it was in hope against all hope. Don't listen to the report. Listen to your Father in heaven. 